Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when they win some free mystery max for watching the live stream. Which if you're listening to this podcast in audio form, that's not going to mean anything to you. But I gave away a bunch of stuff in the pre-show, so you should watch it live. And I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On the show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way, maybe even give away a thing or two along the way, like you mentioned. Oh! Yes, and before we start, I just want to mention that uh, here on the West Coast, it is actually dark mode tonight because of daylight savings Whoa. ending. So it's actually dark outside, which it has not been for the first time for quite a while. Yeah, so it's actually dark mode. It's actually dark for dark mode. It's very exciting. Oh gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, Noah. This is one of my least favorite times of the year. Uh, not in terms like the holidays are great. We love that. New Max coming out is great. We love that. But good gravy. Why does it have to get dark at like 2 p.m.? Who let that happen? No, I agree. I This is like, as much as I say like, oh, you know, it's great that it's dark for dark mode. I, ugh, it's, uh, this is horrible. And I, ugh, I, I hate it. I have very bad seasonal, seasonal depression that is definitely going to uh you know come up now and uh yeah, oh, not not great we don't we don't like we don't love this time yeah no it's well wait a minute am i gonna see you over thanksgiving at the very least that maybe i can bring you some bring you some xanax or something i don't know i thought you were gonna say some cheer some holiday cheer <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no i'm sure i'm sure i'll see you uh see you on the east coast That'll be fun. And then you'll see me on the West Coast. So oh, don't yeah. worry about it, Noah. I'm going to I'm gonna cure your sad. Yay. Thanks, I'm Yay. cured. You know what else you could do to cure your sad? What? You could get the M3 Max. That's right. Oh, I brought it back. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen this. Did you see the, did you see the benchmarks that leaked? Admittedly, they're Geekbench, but have you seen them? I heard the the upshot. I heard the uh, the headlines, but I didn't really look at the numbers too much. So, basically, the M3 Max is scoring identical in CPU performance to the M2 Ultra. Yeah, pretty impressive. And now, the M2 Ultra was a really, really fast chip. We We, we covered that. Back in June when that came out, like, what feels like two weeks ago. And already, the Max chip at a lower price point is beating that performance. And it's actually making me realize something, Noah. What's that? I think the Ultra chips might be pointless yeah, it's really that diminishing return of just, you know, keep throwing more cores at, at the problem. It, it's only going to get you so far. Well, not even that. Think about it this way. In June, the M2 Ultra came out, and we were like, holy cow, this is way faster than the M1 Ultra. And now, already, 
the M3 Max is fast is as fast as that at a lower price point, less power consumption, you can get it in a laptop. So it kind of makes you wonder what is the life cycle of the Ultra chip? Because you know, I spent $8,000 on my Mac Pro and already we have a chip that you can get for dramatically less that is just as fast, at least in, in one benchmark and one aspect, right? So maybe it's not completely pointless, but it does beg the question, given that the Ultra chip is always the last of a series to come out, it is by definition not going to have a full life cycle before ostensibly the next lower end version comes along and is faster. So you only get, I mean, in this case, five months where the M2 Ultra is the fastest chip ever. And then all of a sudden now it's like, I mean, would you go out and buy an M2 Ultra Mac Studio right now knowing that the MacBook Pro offers very, very similar performance? I wouldn't. No, you'd wait. Yeah, it's just, it's a little weird. It's a little bit strange. I think that's a really important, the point that you made about the Ultra being the last chip to get the the upgrade is really interesting because on the, you know, the other side, it's the consumer base level chip that's always going to be the first one to get it. And I'd argue that that's the one where it's the least important. Right, because if you're talking about a, a base consumer level chip, I'm not saying it's not important for them to get upgrades and stuff. But these are going into the base consumer level things that people, you know, people are spending. First of all, they're spending less money on them, so it's less of an investment that they're expecting it to last for a very long time. And are mm-hmm. you you're good back there? Yeah, no, it's totally fine. Just a stray piece of foam. Don't worry okay. about it. Okay, that's good. So, so these these base level chips are. Uh, going into the least, the less expensive products, and they're being used by the less. Uh, Got a lot of stray foam here. Hang on, sorry I'm about distra- that. I'm getting distracted a little bit. Uh, getting getting yeah, used. Don't worry about that. By the the more the more introductory people who don't care as much. Whereas the ultra chips are going to these very expensive things that are being used by you know the pros and like the people who need that performance. And I feel like they're the people that are going to care a lot more about their chip going obsolete sooner than the base level chips. So it's just kind of a, it's kind of funny on both ends. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. When you're using the, oh, hello. More, more stray foam coming in. Don't worry. Look at that. Where's this coming from? This is actually, you know, this piece of foam could end up in a box coming to you tomorrow. Cause I might use this to pack the Mac pro. So, you never know. Look at that. Wow, it's high quality foam. Look, if I if I put the foam here, it's like a it's like an end screen, so now you can't see me at all. That's actually good. I think you should just leave it there for the rest of the show. It's a it's a nicer a nicer agree. visual. This is better. Yeah. Perfect. Anyway, um that that is a very good point, and it's kind of backwards. Because, I mean, say what you will about Apple's previous Mac Pro iterations, but 
they did at least sell them as the highest end computer and they were for a while like even the even the trash can mac pro when that thing came out it took a couple years before you know your normal mainstream macs could actually compete with that but nowadays it seems like you know if you bought the m1 ultra mac studio I think we found that the M2 Max was about as powerful as the M1 Ultra. And now the M3 Max is as fast as the M2 Ultra, which means that the M2 Pro is probably not that far off from an M1 Ultra. So you get what? That Wait, that came out like one year ago? A year and a half, the M1 Ultra? And, and already you can get a Mac mini with an M2 Pro. You know, in a couple months, it'll be an M3 Pro and that'll be as fast for like 1300 bucks instead of five grand. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I guess Apple Silicon is making us rethink sort of, you know, how these, you know, where the value is basically. And it seems like with Apple Silicon, the value is really on the lower end, like the lower end uh, as far the, the, the least expensive chip that you can work with is going to be the best value for you. That's what I'm trying to say. If you can make it with the base right. level chip, stick with that. If you can make it with the pro, stick with that, whatever. But but it seems like those like the, the lower you go on the scale, the more value you get. It it it, it seems to last, uh, you know, to give the performance that it's supposed to give for longer. Not saying that the upgrades aren't good, but it just seems like like you said, these ultra chips are getting replaced uh, or getting superseded so so quickly yeah now i will say though that this is at least an anecdotal observation for now i'm not sure what i'm not sure if this is going to be a continuing thing um i was looking somebody in the chat i i lost it now but somebody was talking about you know oh well the m3 ultra is going to come out soon and that led me to remember a leak that actually just came out today, I believe, or yesterday, which was that apparently Apple has not started testing the M3 Ultra yet, which is unusual because typically by this point, you would expect the M3 Ultra to be in pretty late stages because when the M2 chip came out in, gosh, what was that? Uh, I guess it was a year between the M2 and the M2 Ultra. Yeah, it was it was a while. So theoretically, it's possible that we won't get any new chips for another year. Yeah, I guess you know, I okay, so someone said in the chat interesting thought that they think maybe M3 is a super cycle. And basically sort of saying, like, when the M4 comes out, are we going to see the same pattern continue? So are we going to see the M4 uh, mm. Max beating the M3 Ultra, like how we are theoretically seeing right now? And and, and that's an interesting, interesting question. It's, it could be a super cycle. It could be that these improvements are outsized relative to what we'll see. Again, it's still pretty early in the Apple Silicon days, so we don't have – we have, you know – more and more data as these chips get released, but it's only the third generation. We haven't even gotten the third 
ultra chip yet, so it's still pre pretty early. That's true. Um, see, there are a couple of weird things about it, though. I I don't know that I agree with the characterization of the M3 series as a super cycle. Um, I think the M3 Max is a super cycle. So let me explain. I, I pointed out in my video the day of the Apple event last week that the actual M3 chip doesn't seem to be all that much faster. They didn't even quote a difference in performance compared to the M2 chip. They compared it to the M1. Now, I get that in terms of like a practical use. Most people aren't going to be going from the M2 to the M3. But you would think that there would be a little bit more of a generation over generation gain. The reason that we see the reason that we see such massive gains on the M3 Max is because it's gaining performance cores. The M3 Pro is not seeing the same gains. I I don't even think that the M3 Pro is going to offer noticeable improvements over the M2 Pro. And so I think what we're seeing is not a super cycle, but Apple creating more separation between the M3 uh, the regular the regular the pro and the max because because the the previous versions the only differences were the gpu cores like they had the same cpus in the pro and the max but now that's not the case anymore we actually lost performance cores in the m3 pro although they're faster performance cores so theoretically that makes up for that difference but in the m3 max we're gaining cores so to me, I, I like that, honestly. I think that's a good move because obviously I would like to see the M3 Pro, you know, I, I'd like to see the Pro chips getting faster. Everything should get faster. That's how progress works. But the Max being the highest end of the, like, ostensibly mobile chips, even though it's also used in the Mac Studio, always was just, like, a little bit, like, when it came out, it was fine competition from AMD and Intel has really stepped up. And so to me, this feels like Apple saying, okay, we need, we need to offer like a little bit more. We need to basically turn the max into a higher tier segment, completely separate from the pro. And that's, I think what they've done. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, if that's the case, which I, I do agree with you, I wonder if the M3 ultra will be even more, of a of a difference, right? Because if we're saying that the M3 Max compares very closely to the M2 Ultra, I wonder if the M3 Ultra will be even even more of a separation. Because if Apple really is trying to separate their chips, which makes a lot of sense, hopefully they'll do the same for the Ultra. And so when that comes out, you know, maybe it'll break. I don't want to call it a cycle because there's only been two Ultra chips, but it will really set itself apart as being like the thing that you buy and it's like, almost like an investment like you buy that and you know it's going to last and it's not going to just you know get outclassed the next year right no that's i think that's a good point i think the max is is very quickly becoming a sweet spot like everything that we said earlier about the ultra is valid and then with the pro chip this year 
it seems like Apple doesn't really feel a need to make it that much faster, if it's even faster at all. I mean, we'll find out because I'm going to test it, obviously, but it's it seems like the M3 Max is the good value way to go because you avoid the pitfalls of the really expensive chip that six months later is outperformed and you get yourself something that could realistically last a couple of years i mean Noah, you're on the m you're on the m1 max you don't really feel a need to upgrade i would argue that you made a good call by getting something which was probably a little bit more performance than you needed at the time but which allows you to keep that thing for longer granted two years is not that long yeah no i i agree i have no literally zero interest in upgrading i think the thing that will eventually get me to upgrade will be hardware changes like if they make mm-hmm. you know like like a redesign or they bring even the, the the dynamic island is like cool but not that much of a thing if there's like a real hardware change who knows this could end up being the next 2018 ipad pro i still have my 2018 ipad pro i don't want to upgrade that yeah thing. Who knows? If they can do some some really good hardware upgrades, I think that could convince me. But I honestly think that my M1 Max is going to last me for the work that I do on it. It's going to last me, you know, for for a while. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I, there was a report not that long ago that Apple was apparently accelerating the timeline for their next major upgrade in large part because they kind of did 2018 iPad Pro themselves. This generation of MacBook is simply too good. A lot of the people that bought the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, you know, they're not they're not upgrading already. What's going to take like you're the perfect example of that, Noah. It you're not going to be persuaded by 20% in performance jumps. There are some people who will, but most are not. But what you are going to want is maybe a thinner design, maybe better battery life. Maybe they offer something with an OLED display, you know, stuff like that is what people like you are going to be after. Yeah. I mean, the the performance that I get is already plenty. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't even use this computer a ton. Like I use my work laptop at work every, you know, every work day. And I use my phone a lot. I mean, I don't use this laptop like super often, but when I do use it for, you know, coding personal projects and I guess, you know, this stream that we're doing right now and whatever, it's plenty. It's more than enough. 20% is not going to get me even, even, you know, if they said it was twice as fast. It's the same thing with the iPad. I could upgrade my iPad to have an M2 in it. And, and it would be, you know, on paper much faster than the chip that's in there right now. But it doesn't, like, I, it's not going to mean anything to me. Same with this Mac. I do think, you know, we'll see. It could end up being a 2018 iPad Pro situation. It's, it's a really good, it's such a good computer. I'm really glad that I bought it, you know, right at the beginning of the cycle. And I'm going to hold on to it for a while. And I'm, and I'm very happy with it. Yeah. No, I think that's it's a great point because you don't really need you don't really need all the performance in the world. I think most people would agree. And what what the what this generation of MacBook offers is realistically the best screen of any laptop as well as 
incredible battery life, a system where you never hear the fans, and you have great keyboard I.O., build quality, all of that. The package is really what you're buying. If you need the performance, it's there for you. If you need the RAM, if you need the storage, it's there for you. But you could honestly go on eBay right now. and In fact, let's do it. Let's go on eBay right now and see how little we can spend to get in on the current generation. We'll do a 14-inch because I think that's especially interesting given given the uh, the new M3, the regular M3 14-inch MacBook Pro. Because at $1599, I mean, first of all, already I've scrolled down three listings and there's a 16-inch M1 Pro for $1,500 for 16-inch in what's considered excellent condition here. And this is a sponsored listing. Those are not usually like particularly outstanding in terms of being really cheap. So like you can already find, dude, the fifth listing is a 14 inch M1 Pro, looks like a base model for 1200 bucks. It's $100 more than a MacBook Air and you can get something that's Probably faster, M1 Pro versus M2, mini LED, ProMotion. Like, it's almost ridiculous how good this generation is. And I frankly don't know why they've depreciated this much, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, you know, Apple keeps putting them out. And, like, to be clear, I'm not going to upgrade my computer, but I always love seeing, you know, it's great to see the new chips and the new updates that come out because I know that eventually I'll get all those improvements when I when I upgrade. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess yeah. like Apple Apple keeps putting them out. I guess it just causes it causes the depreciation. But like those entry levels are still are still great. Those first gens. Yeah, I'm looking now on eBay here. We're gonna see what we can find. Now there are some. Some some cheeky sneaky listings when I when you sort from low to high. We're finding some M1 stuff instead of M1 Pro, which you know it is what it is. Noah's got to run for a quick second here, but we're gonna just keep looking at at this because I want to see at what point we start to find an actual M1 Pro MacBook Pro that's good. It's not, you know, broken. Like this one here looks like it's iCloud locked for $800. I'm not going to do that. We're not spending $800 on, on an iCloud lock. And eventually we should be able to find, we're getting close to 1000 it, it looked like that $1,200 listing was was pretty good. Here's one actually for $1,100. right, we'll share this tab instead. So $1,100, the exact same price as a MacBook Air. Condition looks okay. It has a little bit of a dent on the lid and a little bit of some some light scratching. Nothing too bad. But look at that. That's a that's got to be a base model, right? Yeah, 5 512 16 gigs. Base model M1 Pro $1100. That's an insane deal. I mean, I it doesn't matter what the internals are that display the battery life the design that alone justifies eleven hundred dollars not no question 
Looks like a nice computer. The question will be, is the M3 14-inch going to be as popular? Because it's been... It's it's controversial. People are people are kind of hemming and hawing as to whether or not I've seen a lot of disagreement whether or not that thing is going to be a good value. Yeah, I think I like okay, I like the fact that they replaced the Touch Bar MacBook Pro. The one the the, yeah. the old Touch Bar MacBook Pro that was Stuck out like a sore thumb. It was the very old design. It had the touch bar, you know, for crying out loud. I'm glad that that's gone. And I guess Apple decided they had a MacBook Pro with the base level chip in it. And I guess they wanted to keep a MacBook Pro with a base level chip in it. And so they put it in the 14-inch MacBook Pro. They put the base level chip in the 14-inch. And I think... First of all, it's a huge, uh, a huge upgrade in terms of the, uh, you know, the the hardware, the screen, uh, you know, with with the notch and the um, what's it called, the the ports and the I/O and and that the whole pro experience is much more pro on those computers. But it did get what is it, a hundred dollars more expensive than the Touch Bar? Is that right? Three hundred. Three hundred. Yeah, I think. I think the hardware upgrades that you get are probably worth $300, but the question is, was that MacBook Pro, even the Touch Bar MacBook Pro, even worth getting when it existed? I don't really think so. And is this one that's, what, $1599 with the base level Mm -hmm. chip, is this one even worth getting? It has great hardware, but it's that base level chip. It's a little bit, it's, it's definitely a question. That's a really good point because the comparison to the M2 MacBook Pro, it's kind of a false comparison because, yeah, it's $300 and you get a lot more, but the the M2 MacBook Pro is a bad deal to begin with. So it's kind of a false, it's kind of a, a zero-sum comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the single biggest thing that is bothering people, including me, is 8 gigabytes of RAM. $1,600 for a machine with with 8 gigs of RAM, that's tough. And the argument that I've seen is that most people who buy that aren't going to notice. And that's probably true. I know lots of people who bought the, the, the $2,000 14-inch MacBook Pro that came standard with 16 gigs. And yeah, frankly, they didn't need it. They just, you know, watch YouTube videos. They don't even know what ProMotion or Mini LED is. They just like that it looks nice. But in my opinion, I don't think that really excuses it. It can be true that people won't notice it and that it's disappointing at the same time. Because it's called a MacBook Pro. If it's called a MacBook or a MacBook Air, doesn't matter. Does not matter. The RAM is not important to people that buy a MacBook Air. You can absolutely use a MacBook Air for serious tasks, but the the direct target audience isn't gonna know. The MacBook Pro though, is being targeted towards professional users. And so, I just, I just don't know. Well, I'll definitely be doing some tests 
And we're going to see if the 8 gigabytes of RAM becomes an issue. I don't think it's something that most people are going to notice that much because Apple Silicon uses swap memory. But you are going to be using quite a bit of swap memory. I mean, I have a MacBook Air. I have two 8 gigabyte MacBook Airs. They are absolutely, you know, without swap memory, it would be a little tough. So there's another issue, though, that I wanted to point out by let's let's share the configurator here for the 14 inch macbook pro okay so first of all 300 dollars more than the outgoing m2 we do get double the storage at 512 so quite frankly if this came with 256 i would say eh, no go not happening the 512 does help it a, a decent amount uh, but again, only because Apple charges an exorbitant, extortionate amount for storage. It should it should realistically have a terabyte for $1,600 if you compare it to literally any other manufacturer. But this is Apple land, I get it. The issue becomes, if you want to rectify that 8 gigabyte issue and you up it to 16, that puts you at $1,800. That is... 200 bucks less than the M3 Pro version of the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Now, what does that get you? That $200 actually gets you quite a bit. If we go over and we build that out, here's the same thing, right? $19.99 instead of $17.99. But you get an additional Thunderbolt 4 port. You get, obviously, a faster processor. It doesn't really matter if the M3 Pro is faster than the M2 Pro. It is definitely faster than the M3. You also get two extra gigabytes of RAM because for some reason you get 18 gigs with this. And you get, uh, theoretically, a beefier cooling system because it has two fans instead of one fan. Not that that super matters, but I think that's a decent amount of stuff to get for your extra 200 bucks. I agree. I mean, yeah, it's I mean it's two hundred extra dollars, and you're getting when you pay that nineteen ninety nine. That's the price that the the MacBook used to start at before they had the MacBook Pro used to start at before they had the uh, you know the non Pro chip before they had the M three. You know, back when the MacBook Pro actually had always had Pro chips in it, they started at nineteen ninety nine, and I think it really. You know, it really gets confusing with these with these you know lower uh, the 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 M three base chip in the Pro because it starts to get into MacBook Air territory. You know, the 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 MacBook Pro with the base chip is a bit more expensive than the MacBook Air, but it still just seems kind of weird to me. Like I understand mm-hmm. that the the thirteen inch MacBook Pro with the Touch Bar had a base level chip in it. But that was very clearly a last-generation design, a last-generation product that they put Apple Silicon into. It was more of like a holdover product than anything. And I feel like, you know, when they introduced this new design for the MacBook Pro, it did not have the base-level chip in it. And I think that that was for a reason, or I thought that that was for a reason. But it seems like now Apple is doing it. And it just doesn't, I, I kind of figure that the, the Touch Bar MacBook Pro would get killed off eventually, but not that they would put the base level chip in the MacBook Pro. I thought that they would keep the Pro chip 
in the Pro and the base chip in the base computer, especially since these computers are actually very similar now. You know, the designs are very similar. The, the port situation is fairly similar. Obviously, the Pros have more whatever. I thought that they would want to keep the separation a bit more, but I guess not. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. But in a way, it does clean up the lineup. You know, I get that about the separation, but now you basically just have... It's that great, you know, it goes back to Steve Jobs, the the two-by-two marketing grid. Remember that? Did you learn about that in business class at one point? I learned about it in Luke Miani class. Yeah, that's a it's a better class anyway. Yeah. Basically, Steve Jobs' whole idea with Apple in the late 90s was they had so many products for no reason. When you go back and look at in fact, let me see if I can pull this up here cuz I think it's very interesting. If you go back to uh, archive.org, we're going to go look at the Apple homepage. Okay, and in typical dark mode fashion, I'm making a very simple point, very complicated by going onto the Internet Archive and going way back to 1997 to show you what the homepage looked like. Well, we'll go back to 96 because that's well before Steve Jobs had any input on this. And I haven't seen what this is going to look like, but I suspect, yes, it's a mess. All right, let me let me share this tab here's now granted it's not working super great we're not loading any images but the apple homepage in 1996 was a mess i mean look at look at all this text a lot of text and we have a product information tab let's go ahead and click on that okay it it's not it's not logged. This is very early days of Apple website. There's only two archives for all of 1996. All right, here we go. April two, April 97 is working a little bit better. You can see this is there's a lot going on on this website. There's there's corporate updates. There's Apple Share IP. There's schools choose Mac. They've got news on here. They've got merchandise. Uh, on the Apple Online Department Store, what the heck is that? What is that? We've got there's so much like cross branding. There's the Newton, the E-Mate 300. Look at that! Like, it's kind of a mess here. Wouldn't you agree? It is. It is a lot. A lot going on there. I wish we could see the the product lineup. I guess maybe it's not archived. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they've got anything. I mean, quite honestly, why is it this hard to find the uh, outlook? They have a, an a Apple sweep registration stakes. sweepstakes. Could you imagine? <laughs> this is so un-Apple in the modern sense. The Boston Mac Party. Parents of school-age children have a limited-time special opportunity to purchase Apple's exciting E-Mate 300 mobile computer at promotional prices. Wow. They would never. It's, they would never a say that a limited time offer for a, for a for a promotional, exciting and a promotional whatever. It just it sounds so much not like Apple. Let me see if I can click on a product page here. No, it's not. We're not getting anywhere with this. But 
if I go back to the the main page here and we go to let's say 1999 okay this is this is when we now have Steve Jobs is back he's running the show I don't know if I mean dude look at how different this is already like this is before I I think the iMac had just come out yeah they've got iMac now in five dazzling co colors the power Macintosh G3 Look at how much more clean this website is. And it even sounds like when they say like iMac now in five dazzling colors, that literally sounds like it could be the 2021 iMac or the or the new, yeah. well, I guess it would be the 2021. But it literally sounds like that could be from, you know, today, like modern Apple. And like when we click the uh, the product page, which does actually work now, look at the difference in... Like the product photography is clean and simple. We've got a simple drop down menu to find different products. There's software. Some of this stuff, you know, you know, Claris works. We do have some holdovers from the nineties here and peripherals. But it's so much cleaner. It's so much more mo I mean, look at even the menu here. This 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 all black product menu really really similar to what we have now yeah and just the copy like the way that the text is written the amount of text like yeah it's all it all definitely you can tell it's much closer to modern to modern apple and oh and the point that i was originally making that i forgot about yes was what makes the current macbook lineup similar to that is simplification. Steve Jobs' whole thing was like, we have way too many products. It's confusing. It's a mess. Nobody knows what they're doing. So what we need to do is have a two by two grid. In in the late '90s, that was portable desktop and consumer professional. So you have the iBook. That's the consumer portable. You have the PowerBook, that's the professional portable. You have the iMac as the consumer desktop and the PowerMac as the professional desktop. That's it. That's exactly what the current MacBook Pro and MacBook Air lineup is. You have small or big, consumer or pro, two by two, easy peasy. That's true, I feel like the consumer is the the 13 and 15 inch air and the pro would be yep. 14 and 16 inch pro right pretty pretty obvious i just wonder i'm not saying that there isn't a place for the m3 uh macbook pro but i but 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 there is a you know there's the the the, the 13 inch macbook air would be more of the consumer portable than the than the the pro with the with the m3 in it i feel like right well so the m3 pro is kind of a bridge because i think what apple realized was before you kind of had that two by two grid when they introduced the the 15 inch macbook air right but the 13 inch macbook pro didn't really do anything for anyone it wasn't really pro it wasn't really consumer there wasn't a purpose for it 
Right now though, the M3 MacBook Pro I think has a much clearer purpose because it gives you the Pro system without that massive price tag, $2,000, right? 1600 bucks. it's not cheap, but it does give you that option for the person who might, let's say, think, let's say, let's say you're a professional photo editor. That device is laser targeted for you because you don't really need a shit ton of performance, okay? You don't need an M3 Max for Photoshop or for Lightroom, but you really might enjoy that mini LED display. That is what you're buying. It's for the pro that that needs the, maybe they need the ports, maybe they need an SD card slot, maybe they need that display, but they don't really need something that's an absolute screamer. I think it does make sense for a lot of people, more so than the old M2 MacBook Pro, which made sense for no one, basically. Okay, you know, that is definitely fair. I completely agree that the the new MacBook Pro, the, the M3 MacBook Pro, makes a lot more sense than the touch bar. The touch bar never really made sense. I don't think that ever really should have stuck around. Why did they sell it? it there, there was, what was there the was, point? There was no reason, especially with the M1 MacBook Air sitting right next to it. There was, there was no reason for that thing to exist. So I completely agree. And I think that the point you made is really good about it being for people who need the pro hardware, uh, but maybe they don't need the pro chip. And the thing that I was thinking about uh, from you know maybe 20 minutes ago when we were had it, talking about some other uh, topic was uh, I guess it was about upgrading. I was saying how I'm not going to upgrade my Mac because I don't need the performance upgrade. But meanwhile, so I was thinking like, what's going to make me upgrade? Well, probably a hardware change. And then I was thinking, well, that's the same thing with the iPad, right? The iPad Pro, the performance is already good enough for me. It's the hardware change, whatever that might be, that would get me to upgrade. And then I was thinking. You know, my phone, I upgrade my phone every year, but that's because they do something with the hardware every year. This year it was titanium and the action button and USB-C and whatever. And then the Apple Watch, you know, I had the Series 5 and I waited to upgrade until the Ultra because it was a big hardware difference. And so I think along those same lines, this MacBook Pro kind of lets you get that Pro hardware. It lets you move into that, you know, that level without having to you know spend all the money for the performance so i think it's for people like photo editors like you said it's great but also for people who want that pro level hardware whether it's that they just want to have it because they want the best hardware or they will actually you know legitimately benefit from having you know more color accurate screen or, or you know wh whatever whatever it might be so i think i think it, it does make a lot of sense it does make a lot of sense that's a great way to think about it and i think that's something that on all other aspects of Apple technology, we don't really talk about performance, right? Nobody's, okay, people do benchmark the iPhone, but let's be honest, it's all vanity metrics. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Nobody out here, I guarantee that nobody out here is upgrading their iPhone because it's slow. And I'm going to say that for almost any iPhone because they have been so fast for so long that your battery's gonna die, your phone's gonna get stolen by a, a wild boar, like 
all of those things are going to happen before it feels slow, right? You might go to jail for 50 years and come back and your iPhone isn't going to feel slow. Same thing with the iPad. Granted, there is a difference in software there, right? The, the software for iOS and iPadOS, the stuff that you're going to do, doesn't really demand all that much performance. Whereas on the Mac, you definitely can get to the limits of its performance. But that's only for a certain subset of people. I think, to your point, you are someone for whom performance is not really a factor. Be it your iPhone, your iPad, or your MacBook, those hardware changes are what keep people coming. And I think Apple realized that with the iPhone. That's why we don't have the S anymore, right? All of a sudden you notice, well, we have almost every year something changes about the design. It might not be a major change. Maybe the camera bump gets a little larger. They change the colors. Dynamic Island gets introduced. Next year, make it a little rounder. Give it a give it a new material. Like they're not major, but those hardware things, that visible difference really does sell people. And the products that don't have those visible differences, the Mac, the iPad, those are the ones that Apple seems to be struggling with the most in terms of year over year sales. Yeah, and I think, you know, the that that whole point about the S models is is a great point because I remember you know, it was great to be, you know, when you were on a two-year cycle of the non-S models, right? So, like, get the iPhone 4, skip the 4S, get the 5, skip the 5S, get the 6. I mean, I ended up getting the 6S as well, but then I skipped the 7 because the 7 honestly kind of felt like a 6S. 6SS. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but but I definitely, I mean, then there was the 10. I got the 10. I skipped the 10S. I also skipped the 11, which was, you know, a decent upgrade. But then I got the 12. And since the 12, I've been getting it every year, 12, 13, 14, 15. And I definitely agree. Like, they got rid of the, the S models because, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is a lot of it is just marketing. It's just the thing that they're going to call it. But, you know what I mean? Like, at the same time, they could have called, you know, they had the 12. They could have called the 13 the 12S if they really wanted to. There were some yeah. solid upgrades, don't get me wrong. The the ProMotion display was a was a solid upgrade, you know, whatever. They could have called it the 12S. At that point, you know, it's kind of kind of marketing. But I think it's smart that they didn't because when they had those S models, it was very easy to skip. The S stands for skip. It was very easy to skip that year and go on the next year. And now that they don't do that, it's easier to say, oh, I'm going to upgrade. It's a whole a whole number. It's not just a half step. Yeah. And to be quite fair, all of the things that you mentioned that made the 13 a pretty big upgrade, you could also say of features in the old S models. Like the 5S, that got a lot of updates. That was a great phone. You know, Touch ID, the A7 chip with 32-bit, or with 64-bit performance, that was a big, that was back in the day where performance did matter, right? And like, I can't even remember, oh, the True Tone Flash came out that year yep. too. Yep. You know, th there were there were decent upgrades for the 5S, but it looked the same. 
And eventually, by the time we get to like, I guess it was by the time we got to the 11 series where Apple was like, okay, you know what? This isn't working. If we really want to sell phones every year, all you have to do is not like be so dead set on keeping the exact same chassis. Remember, they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything to the cameras because it had to be the same size camera. They couldn't like the, all of the cases that fit the five fit the five S, fit the six fit the six S, fit the ten fit the ten S. Right, all of that stuff. But the ten S was the last time they were like, okay, look, people aren't interested in buying the same thing that they already had if, you know, the camera's a little better or it has some cool new feature. The feature doesn't sell it. It's got to look different. Yeah. And it's harder to do with the laptop, though. The R&D to, to change up an iPhone chassis with something that's that high volume, I guess that makes more sense to do than for the, for the Mac. But they've been on a four... Four and a half, five year cycle with the MacBook for a long time now. I don't think that's going to change, but I think Apple was considering from from the recent report they had been considering taking their time with the update. But I think they're realizing now. Okay, obviously you're not going to get people to buy a MacBook every year, but if you want them to buy it every three years instead of every five years. You can do you can do that by changing the design more frequently, and that's probably what they're going to do. I hope. Yeah, and I feel like you know they have to change the design more frequently. That's the the new design, some new external like visible feature, is what's going to get more people to upgrade. But it is also, I would say, a bit harder, or, or probably even a lot harder to do on a on a laptop than on a phone like you said i feel mm -hmm. like you know if you look at the the iphones of the past few years what has changed uh the notch is a big one that we had the notch and then the notch got smaller and then it became the dynamic island and they could yeah. absolutely do that on the mac too they could make the the current notch smaller they could turn it into a dynamic island as well it won't have as much of an impact because the notch is so much smaller relative to the screen size than it is on an iPhone. People will notice the difference, absolutely, but it's not that much of an impact. It's not like you're really saving, you're realistically saving little to no space. Same with the Dynamic Island, right? The, the Dynamic Island is great on the phone because it you know, lets you put some things up in there. It like you know keeps your timers and your playback and whatever up in there. Because the screen real estate is a bit more of a challenge on the iPhone because you have a smaller screen. On the Mac, you can easily have, you already have your music player in the menu bar that's always accessible up there. Like, you can stick things in the menu bar, you can have as many windows on the screen as you want, you can make them really small and put them wherever you want. It doesn't, I'm not saying it wouldn't be good, but it doesn't make as much of a difference. Same thing, like, you know, mm. if they want to round the corners more or make the corners flatter or like whatever, it's just harder to to have a meaningful change that's not like a redesign. You know what I mean? Like the past few iPhones have had mm -hmm. meaningful changes without being complete redesigns. I feel like it's a bit harder to do that on a laptop. That's true. Very true. A and another thing that they're going to have to deal with is, I mean, what do you even change? Like, 
I think I think we we may well see ourselves in a iPad situation, not to the same extent because the issue with the iPad isn't just that they haven't changed anything. It's that there is nothing to change. It's iPad OS. You can't make it faster. Can't really make it do all that much more without it feeling like weird and software gimmicky. Um, if it looks different, so what? It's still limited by software. The Mac doesn't have that degree of limitation, um, especially given that you know making it faster is a legitimate reason to, to upgrade it. However, I think the issue that they might have is if they were to do a redesign, you know, let's let's brainstorm. What what is there to do? Speakers a little better, maybe look a little nicer. I, some new design that I can't think of that I would like when I see it. Make it thinner, put an OLED display on it. Like what else is there to do? I don't know. I mean, like, thinner and lighter would be nice, but, you know, if you really care about that, you are you might want to get a MacBook Air instead. Like, if you really, really care about thin and light, you get a MacBook Air. But if you have the mm-hmm. Pro, it would be nice to be a bit thinner and lighter. If they put the Dynamic Island, you know, there are, I don't know if there's rumors or just, you know, logical conclusion, but, like, you know, it could be, it could be cool. I will say that the current notch is kind of big i don't really notice it when i'm just using the computer but maybe they could do something there they could bring back uh, face they could bring, id face id would be i was about to say the illuminated uh touch id like in your in your leak from a while ago but but face oh, id yeah would would it would definitely be very nice uh very nice too bro if they made it have expansion cards like the old powerbook g3 game over yeah keep dreaming i know i mean that's the thing is i could dream i can think of some really great things but they just never would do that yeah like expansion modification you know some card that you could plug in to do something like that there's ways that they could definitely do it but they're not realistic when you think of realistic things that apple would do make it thinner give it i don't know better screen screen's already pretty good though yeah you know i I think it's it's gonna be challenging for them but that's good you know i would rather be in a situation where i'm sitting here going wow these things are so good i don't know what they could do to make it better than the situation we had before which was oh my god these are unusable the keyboards are bad the thermals are bad they aren't fast enough they're too expensive yeah, I'm very happy to be where we are now compared to where we were in 2019. I'll say that. Yeah, that's like, believe me, I'm not complaining. I'm very happy with this Mac. I'm happy that it'll last for, I realistically, it'll last for as long as I want it to, which is whenever Apple releases some, you know, noticeable hardware improvement. So I'm definitely happy about that. But Apple has their work cut out for them. Just like with the iPad Pro, definitely with the MacBook Pro as well. But I'll tell you who doesn't have their work cut out for them, and that's us, because we're going to be off for the next two weeks. Actually, maybe three. Uh-oh. That's what, up to you, what I you guess. Fig- December 3rd? Well, 
Okay, so next week you're off. The week after that, I'm in New York. The week oh. after that, I am in in on like in Philly area. So it depends if you want to mm. try to do something with me there. That's a very good point. I had forgotten about that. So yeah, the week, the Sunday of the twenty sixth, I will be homeless. Oh. I'll be sort of a wandering vagrant, which, by the way, I I continue to realize how weird that's going to be because I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, do I do I ship my my filming equipment with my moving? I I, I think I have to. I don't know that I. It basically comes down to how much stuff do I want to keep with me as I'm like sort of living out of a suitcase for 10 days and then bring on a plane with me to LA and then stuff will show up a couple days. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, what a mess. Yeah, that's you're going to have to sit down and figure out those logistics. Because the problem is, the problem is if we do, I, I would like to do something on the 26th, but that also means I have to carry podcasting equipment around as part of my like, you know, I'll have to put it in a in a handkerchief and tie it to a stick to put over my shoulder like a hitchhiker in a 1930s cartoon. That'd be pretty heavy to, to carry on your shoulder like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you could put an SM7B in a handkerchief on a stick. Yeah, I might just rip the handkerchief. Yeah, that's a very point. So you know what? Let's say December third. That's a long time. I know. That's a f- we're gonna be off for a month. Oh man, we'll see. Maybe we can do something. Maybe it'll be pre-recorded. Maybe it'll be something a bit shorter. Maybe we can. Well, we can try to do. Maybe something we'll figure something out for the twenty-sixth. I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm well I'm we won't make any promises but if I can figure out a way where there's a will there's a way. Um uh, but it's actually okay because uh as, according to Slick here in the comments this show was lame and boring anyway. So I guess we oh. might as well just never come back. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. We can just shut it down, dump it. Yeah. Dump it. Uh, this one's garbage. Dump it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great use of that. Yes. Well very, done. Very accurate. Uh, unfortunately accurate as well is we'll see you next month jeez yeah (laughs) yeah well (laughs) sometimes it do be like that anyway i've been your host luke miani and i've been your host noah rubin have a great night